You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. Welcome to the Wild 7 Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Red. Joining me once again is the amazing, uncomparable, amazing, interdimensional Alex. Back and ready to attack. Yes. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Oh, man, I'm groovy. How's, Delicious. How's the day going here at Wild 7? Oh, man, it's already been a wonderful day. We've already done some recordings for some upcoming projects, and yes. uh, we've been uh, keeping it groovy, and... Uh, and the conversation just keeps on happening. Nice, nice. So your week is going good, your day is going good, everything. Alex, what the fuck did we just read? Let's, okay. Shit. Allow me to just begin. Uh, this is going to be a little different. You know, we do different things on the Wild 7 Podcast. And the reason we call it the Wild 7 Podcast is A, it's, you know, the podcast of Wild 7 Studios. And B, it's a little wild. We don't it's know. It's a little wild. We don't know what's happening. Exactly. And it could happen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Yes, exactly. And so today we are going to do something a little different. We're going to call this. In fact, let me shut off <clears> this <throat> music because it's very exuberant. And <laughs> let's I, get in our library I, voices. Can here. I say something that I love Go for about it. it? I love that you have this is, and I think the listeners have noticed this too. You have this great ritual at the top of all these shows. You never fade out the music. You get annoyed with it and you cut it off. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. Like, let's cut this fucking shit <laughs> off right here and get to the real meat. Eventually, it gets in the way. I know. You man. know what I mean? I love it. As I love all it. good things I think that's do. a good keep that. Yes, Thank sir. you. By the way, listen to this. Nice. Hell Pretty yeah, cool, he right? Is. Right? And then Alex, if you ever get upset. Mm. Which I do. Alex. Atomic Alex. Say again. Say again. I, I talked over. Play it again. Here. Atomic Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you. I also like how Alex <laughs> glitches before we get to the. Explosion. Oh right. Yeah. This is this is all the amazing work of our interns. Yes. Or, you know, Emily did this one. Who you worked with earlier? I worked today. with Emily today. Yeah. Excellent. So Excellent experience. Kind of a new experience. I mean, mm-hmm. more people around here and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, we're no longer just two guys hanging out in your bedroom anymore. Right. Talking about movies, which I just, still love doing. Right. I mean, just hanging out and stuff, as we call it, monastery time, smoking yes. the weed and whatnot. Oh, but yes. um, but no, I will always be a movie, movie douche. douche. <laughs> You know, that's that's just that's just how I am. Damn, we have so much good stuff. Um, do you want me to gross you out? I have a burp here. here do listen. it. That's Ooh. that's mine. You know what? That's pretty good, and it had that very wet splat ending there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Today we are gonna do something called the Wild Seven Book Club. Welcome, mm-hmm. welcome. Yes, if, welcome, welcome. If this is your first time with us. We're a movie studio. We made a film called Debbie and the Devil, and we produce other content. We're doing a telenovela called Amigas, which Alex is starring in, and so am I. Por supuesto. Yes, and don't get us wrong. I know we're not Latino. There are Latinos in this thing, Latinas to be specific. Indeed, indeed. We promise that this is not a culturally co-opted project. Right. Um, Amigas is being written and directed by my creative partner, April Mendoza who also produced Debbie and the Devil, which is a feature-length horror film, or comedy, kind of, even though I kind of think it's serious. Um, and that is coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. We have big announcements coming up. But that's not what we're here to talk about here today. Not today. I literally, like, we've been talking about this since Alex and I were sort of mm-hmm. worming through this book. Should we just begin? 
Hey man, you lead the way. I mean, follow. you know, I mean, for the past few weeks, I've been having a lot of fun with the fucking uh, mixer with the gals and stuff, and having fun with the movie. Movie Um, you know, it, it's a lot of good fun. But let's just keep it keep it simple, and let's just talk about this this well because thing. Honestly, and I, I think we might be in agreement on this. You know, to enrich your cinematic mind, you don't do it just through the cinema. You can listen to music. And also, reading is a very important part of it. Reading novels, I think, is part and parcel to being a creator in other avenues. Right. I, I happen to agree. And here's the thing. I was a little hesitant to... Um, first of all, because we need to drop an episode this week. That's yeah, one yeah, thing. We, we're doing homework. Yeah, yeah. B, I tend to keep my reading pretty private. Like, I, I only talk about what I'm reading to, to at my friends and stuff like that. I don't use the podcast as a way of advertising what I'm reading and blah, 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 just because we're a movie podcast and stuff. But then I thought, you know what? We just got through this massive thing, and we've been talking about it since both of us have been reading it and stuff in a kind of book club manner. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is some merit to us talking about it, and I won't be shy about the fact that I've read this book no, you know. no. In fact, we have every right to be blisteringly proud that we read every fucking word of every fucking page of this book. Right. Now, mind you, there might be some academics listening that have never listened to this podcast before, and they're listening to this because the name Thomas Pinchon or Gravity's Rainbow or what, what not. I totally spoiled what we're talking about, but... You're here. It was um, going to be spoiled right, in a right. seconds anyway. You might be rolling your eyes like, oh, I hear certain types talk about this. Or, you know, like I, for instance, was at a wedding over the weekend and there's a, I have a professor lady friend and she said, you know, I've avoided that book because certain types of guys read that book and talk about it and, and stuff. And, and you know what? Having done that, I can imagine, I can kind of picture that. Not that, I, I think actually the book ridicu ridicules everything and everyone, but I can see some hoity-toity douchey guys who don't get what they've been reading championing it as some sort of entitlement to their literary power right I mean? right i mean the thing that led me to fall down this rabbit hole is paul thomas anderson i'm i'm, I'm, right? I'm not gonna lie now, like, <clears throat> which is funny because i think but when you and i started to become chummy when you were coming into the old weed shop and we were talking i think it was around that time that inherent vice had come out. Yeah. And at the time, and because I have to give it a proper rewatch still, we were very divided on this uh, Pinchon. I, I didn't really know anything about Pinchon. And frankly, I wish I kind of had, because I think it's good to have even the most elementary knowledge of his style right. before you go into inherent vice. Because I... Found my. I don't feel this way anymore, by the way. But at the time, I remember being just like, I, I hate this movie, and I wanted to end <laughs> after the first twenty minutes. I could because I didn't know what the fuck was happening, mm -hmm. and I love not knowing what's happening. But there was something about that movie where I didn't know what was happening. It was frustrating me. Right. But for you, it seemed to have given you some curiosity. Some. It did, and then also the timing of it is important to How know. How so? In the sense that it was right before Trump and stuff. Uh, it's true. It came it's, about two years before. The, the thing is, okay, uh, and, yeah. and listener friend, we will also talk a little bit about the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. This is the Wild 7 Book Club. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, 
when I saw it, it had that like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Now, mind you, I have to say this about my sort of, for me, you know, in high school, it was like Elvis and the Beatles were Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. Sure. That was, I'm, I'm sure it was the same thing for you. Yeah, in, in, absolutely. It, yeah. You know, as soon as, once you, as a kid in the 90s, have seen Pulp Fiction and Boogie Nights, you know who the yeah, yin and yeah. yang or, of excellent direction. Or you could say you're Tupac and Biggie, whatever you want to say. Right. You know what I mean? But they were they were big to me. And I, I feel comfortable saying this because, A, he doesn't seem like the type of guy. I don't even think he's listening. But, like, he doesn't seem like the type of hey, guy Paul. that if, yeah, if, if he heard this, he, he seems like a nice, easygoing guy. I know a few people that have, like, said respectfully, like, ah, his last few kind of lost me. And I'm not like that. He hasn't lost me still. No, I'm, no, I'm definitely. S- like, yeah. you, you, you liked Phantom Thread. I loved Phantom Thread. What do you think of The Master? I loved it. Okay. I, I loved yeah. it. Be- but the thing is, <clears throat> it doesn't get served <clears throat> in a commonly shaped spoon. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yes. it's, it's pure character. It's pure yes. incidences and, and, and little things. Like, well, go for it. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, for me, I definitely noticed that arguably he's always been into character but i'd say up to and through there will be blood there was kind of like a slight direction of plot or kind of like a a grander story beyond the characters is being told right the master onwards he just wants to follow his characters and see what they're up to until time runs out which and that's fine yeah now but for the last seven years i've had a real problem with it I, i i resisted it terribly mm-hmm. and i took it personally for a while especially inherent vice because the very concept of a fun thing i've always liked the idea of a pot smoking detective who's kind of bumbling and stumbling his way through a maze of weirdness yeah but for some reason it just did i couldn't give a shit at the time but can i tell you go for sitting it. right now i'm in the mood to watch you're inherent primed vice to, to watch it. because because Inherent Vice, being a later novel of Pinchon's, is actually a pretty slim read. But you and I have just gotten through <laughs> something that, that it was funny too, because I said to Nas, when Nas finished Gravity's Rainbow about a month before I did. Yeah. And I remember, or maybe a little longer than that, but the point is, I remember saying to you, well, What are you going to read next? And you're like, Oh, I'm kind of toying with this Elmore Leonard book. It's like, You're going to punch your fist through the entire book and like, like butter. After yeah, having yeah, yeah, gotten yeah. through Gravity's... Because <clears throat> anything after Gravity's Rainbow, quite honestly, is a cinch. It, especially something like Elmore Leonard. Yeah. I have a novelist buddy that you know of, Joe Ida, who yeah. wrote the series of novels IQ mm. that follow this African-American detective named Isaiah. And it's it's like a, it's like a cool, almost like... It, I, I say this, but it doesn't really do it justice, but it's like a, it's almost, it is like a Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Cool detective, Philip Marlowe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Joe... I'm so na- name-dropping here, but I'm mm-hmm. doing it. I love you, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. Joe has been entrusted with by the uh, Chandler estate to write the newest Philip Marlowe novels. So that's, that's what Joe is awesome, doing. awesome, dude. Yeah, and so I told Joe, I said, <clears> hey, amazing. I finished Gravity's Rainbow, and he wrote me back. He's like, you finished Gravity's fucking rainbow? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Those literal words? The literal words. exact words. Exact. Gravity's this is a fucking quote. rainbow. Yeah. Joe Ida, you finished Gravity's fucking rainbow, Jesus. And that was, you know. that That's 
probably the most apt response one could <laughs> right. give. Because I said that to myself when I finished it. I said, you finished Gravity's fucking rainbow. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So should we jump into it? I mean, I know I say that a million times. So, okay. How, what, where do you want to let's, How okay, does okay, one let's, jump into let's, it? Uh, <laughs> let's uh, summarize it, maybe. Sure. For the listener. There's some... There's, I'm, dude, listen. For real talk. Real. The chances of... How many people have read this? I don't know. I know there's a lot of people that are pinch on fans and stuff. Right. But our listeners, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. know if they're into you it. You all might be going, pinch who? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is he talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, Well, let's maybe, should we just say, like, real quickly, you you even probably know more than I, but the guy keeps himself as a mystery. It's important to establish okay. the fact that let's, pinch on himself is an enigma. Let's be real about something. Okay, because in the spirit of podcast honesty... Yeah. Okay, let's just let's just talk. Give it up to the heroes, yeah, yeah, man. Okay. Thomas Pinchon is a guy that there's only a few known photographs of. And he is very mysterious. He does not speak to the press. And he is somebody that there has always been rumors and this and that. And there's just not a lot of stuff known about him. There are a couple of good articles. Like there's a Vulture article that breaks down little things that are known about him and stuff like that. But he has pretty much stayed out of the view of the public eye. Yeah. When I was reading Gravity's Rainbow and reading about Thomas Pinchon, and you know, listener friend, look, I'm just the humble Taylor's son, independent horror filmmaker. I am not anything big. I am just doing my thing. When I would read about this guy who basically pretty much did not exist at all, except in like, I thought that I, I should have done that with my life. And I, I suddenly re, like got re, Really, I, I'm a weirdo, I guess. I got regretful that like I went down this path of like, ah, Mr. Red, hi, everybody. And, uh, and I made my movie and put myself in it and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, no, I should have just wrote novels and stayed in, in like, like just in secret and stuff. And I even toyed with like faking my own death and stuff because I was like, well, you know, because maybe I can do it. Right. So uh, one day I'm picking up Alex <laughs> and I'm... I'm, we're driving. We're cruising down the tent and mind full speed. You, right. And mind you, you got to know something, kids. I want to let you guys know something. Be careful what you wish for because you fucking get it. Mm. I was basically telling Alex, man, Alex, I just want to disappear. Can this I, can is, I do my version do, of it? Do your impression of, <laughs> this is, yeah. This is not how he did it, but me being the guy I am who I like to exaggerate shit. This is sort of the characterization of Nas. Hey, how you doing today, Nas? I'm fine. I'm great. Look, man, I just want to write my big novel and then go away and disappear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I am a movie douche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a douchebag. I, I, I yeah. enjoy doing stuff with my compas and, and making content and, and doing some performing and stuff. But then, yeah, there's this other side of me. Maybe you have it too, Alex. Of no, of course, dude. The idea that you could just... Keep the world guessing as you give them unexplainable quality art. Yeah, and only like, deal with the people you have to deal with, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, and never really have to, like, uh, ever run the risk of coming off fake because you can't even come off at, at, as anything at all in the first place. By the way, I should also mention when you said that to me, I instantly, to good-naturedly make fun of you, do you remember what I did? I lowered the window and I yelled <laughs> to other yeah. drivers. I said, I want to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone, all of you. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? So, but tell them. You said, "Be careful what you wish for." Oh, so. and then so then 
water, I won't say what kind of water, spills on my computer. I can't do anything for a few oh. months, and then I got a new computer. But yeah, but dude. You, do you think that was the karmic response? Like, oh, I do so think you, so. So you want to be alone, I do think huh? so. You wanna- Let me tell you something. I am not one of these guys that denies the existence of God. I believe in God, or whatever you want to call it. I believe in Goddess. Yeah, indeed. Let's just call indeed. it that. Okay. Indeed. I believe and in a transsexual when I, God, if yeah. that's what's up. Hey, whatever it is. Whatever. Right? And when I want something, I get it. And the goddess was like, okay, you don't want to do your little podcast and you don't want to create content. And and mind you, when I really think of my life and stuff, I could never turn my back on Wildstone. The people here are so dear to me. We're family. I mean, dude, we've demonstrated in many ways that we all have a telepathy here. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We're it's starting a cult. to become one language We're going to be worse than we work, which is this horrible you know, company. Oh, no. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But no, no, we're not going to be like that. No, no, that guy's no. a douchebag. But listen. Uh, and then water spills on my computer. I can't make my podcast. I can't produce content. And it's like I was out for the count. I was relying on other people's computers for my and my iPad and stuff and my old computer. Right. God. And you and you could never rely on other people's computers if you were isolated and alone. Right. Right. So it's like be careful what you wish for. So no, I am not Thomas Pinchon. I'm Mister Red. But I will tell you this: you will never know Nessie Stumpus who hides inside Mister Red. You know what I mean? You'll so never what? know him. <laughs> you will never get that close. And if you get any closer, whack you. That's right. Hey, Alex, I just want to press this button. I think this is the Wild 7 Country version. Ooh, can I just... Please. Can I just... Please. Oh. Can we play this real please fast? Do, please do. Uh, because I cannot turn my back on Wild 7, yeah. Alex. This was no. performed by a guy named Alex Christopherson. And... Uh, Y'all sit back and enjoy. I, and we'll jump back into gravity. Rest now, soldier. The war has just begun We have to be free Free to fight the war of cinema Follow us Follow us into the night Wild Seven is here To save the day (laughs) What's that? Oh, that's right we're here to save the day. Fight and dance. Make your movie, okay, children. Okay, okay, okay. All right. We, we, yeah. Fight and dance and make your movie, children. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. I'm. By the way, I'm so sorry for the constant clearing of my throat. You're I right. did a recording earlier today, so it kind of took out half no the worries. voice. And, no uh, worries. But I'll just keep on. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. If you're listening and you don't even know what the fuck Gravity's Rainbow is, we'll bring you up to speed. So Thomas Pinchon is this guy. He wrote his first book was called V. It was a, a one of those brick books, a fat book. And <laughs> it was about a guy in his search for a woman named V or something. I've only read the first page. I glanced at the first page. Yeah. His know. second book was not a brick. It was a, a thin guy. It's like a size of a play. Yeah. Almost. And the yeah. title of that was? Crying of Lot 49. The crying Have of you lo- done that one? I've uh, done a few pages. Okay. This was when yeah. I was, f- like, going through Gravity's <clears throat> Rainbow thing. Maybe uh-huh. I should do these other ones oh, or something. Right, right, then I'm like, right, okay, right, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I got to stick to the course. Yeah. Then he published in, what was it, 1972? 73. 73. In 1973, yeah. after a, a few years between Crying of Lot 49. Like, like quite a few. Where yeah. Some people thought, oh, maybe this guy was just a two-book wonder. Right, right. He publishes Gravity's Rainbow. And Gravity's Rainbow, if you were to give it a synopsis, 
Could you, Alex, go for it. Entertain us. Gravity's Rainbow is about what happens when you survive World War II but can't leave it alone. Hmm, interesting. That's my that's the shortest now that's you may read it and go, well, that's not it at all. But that if if and I just took a, a big like chaos ball of vomit and shit and tried to put it in one little like clean package right there. Right, right. But then you could say, well, it's about uh these um it's about the al it's about people on the Allied side and one in particular, this American. And it's who who goes on kind of like a, a, a what do I want to say a solid, odyssey like an odyssey in a way of of strange encounters with people all over war torn Europe yeah and it's also a lot about rockets and it's also a lot about dicks right like erections <laughs> and not just dicks. Like, like like pussies, pussies and, and, and puke and, and and puke and and a pussy hair and cum and, and cum like, and it, no for real and some of you are like what it's like no 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 you have to understand there are moments imagine if if you were seeing this as a movie let's say Nas and I are in Gravity's Rainbow let's say yeah, we're in yeah. that book the, the camera starts on you and I talking. But then the camera's going to notice on the wall that there's a torn section. And then the camera's going to go into the tear of the wall. And then we're going to go into the sewage line where we're going to see reams and reams of like old shit that hasn't been fully flushed down. And like right. piss stains yeah. and chipped paint and mold forming. And just the minutia of the grossness of the planet is kind of celebrated throughout this entire book. There was one section where he says that he found like a laminated card with a dried booger on it, which served as, like, the visa mark for this right, little thing. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Ew, and yet creative. Yeah. There's a literal shit. Can we, can we spoil parts? Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> just, just know something, people. If any of you even attempt to do this book, we, we, we salute you. Right, and mind you, everything that we're saying... There's 50 trillion other things yes. that we're not mentioning. Like yeah, yeah, you, sentences. Almost you almost can't spoil it. I mean, I w I'm not going to talk about major event because you, we, you and I both know major event plot points. Right, 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 that, right, right. Especially towards the end, which yeah. we will not get into because I think that's proper. Um, well, or fuck no, it. No, fuck it. Okay, fuck it. Hey, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. you had your chance. Unless between no, now yeah, and fuck it. between the beginning of the show and now, you should have read all 770 <laughs> pages. Right. And uh, otherwise, is that how many? I had seven. 70 in my mine copy. was 760 All i right, think there you go yeah. your uh, describe your edition so i, the one two. That I okay i have two one that i used and sure enough it it, it literally fell apart the book because uh -huh. i was using it so much the the last few pages started falling out of the book that has frank miller art on the cover which is basically like a black and white kind of deal of showing like a white rocket and like a cityscape underneath it yeah yeah and what's funny is the back cover, I find, is actually a propaganda poster from Germany trying to make it look like that their rockets have leveled London to, like, an apocalypse oh, wow. wasteland. Interesting. So, um, yeah. And then the other version I have, actually, I had to order from England, and it has a much more proper cover, which indeed shows a rainbow spread of rockets. So it's mm. like a bunch of rockets all lined up, but they all are the whole spectrum of the rainbow. Yeah. And that... 
is a little more. Now, there are no rainbow-colored rockets. That's not what's going to happen. In fact, I don't. And you know what my interpretation of the title is, by the way? Tell me. Because it's like, wait a second, gravity, even gravity has a rainbow? Well, the whole point is, a lot of that book is how, here's an, you know, here's another big theme to it, if you ask me. The book was written very shortly after the moon landing. So oh. we, as a people, at that time, know how far rockets can go. So I almost wonder if Pinchon was like, let me take us back to where rockets could barely get off the ground. Yeah. And how the most you could do is have it go from one like country to the next country. Yeah. But what if like how how do you get away from gravity? Mm-hmm. How do you finally break free from this prison and go up yeah. into the stratosphere? Yeah. And that's a big like kind of a uh, yearning with a lot of the characters. So gravity is kind of your all-encompassing nemesis, but it's rainbow is Basically, every fucking minutia that is held onto this planet with gravity. So gravity's rainbow is basically just saying, like, all the shit under the sun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all the shit under the it's, sun. If I were in jail, which I've been to. Yes. And I was describing to some OG motherfucker, like, say, Lowdown, who was a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And he said, what the hell is Gravity's Rainbow about? I would say it's about this dude. I'll say Lowdown. This is what it's generally about, but... If I didn't tell you, you probably it might it might even fly over your head because it almost there's this dude named Slothrop, Tyrone Slothrop, and you won't even get to him until like a little bit into the book. Yeah. There's other guys, they got weird names, like yeah. Roger Mexico. Yeah, Pirate Prentice. Pirate Prentice, uh, Bodine. So, yeah, yeah, Seaman Bodine and and uh, you know. Uh, uh, another uh, um uh what was walking stick. Was there a Joaquin stick? I think there was, oh, yeah. Yeah, Joaquin stick. Oh, wait, wait, was that in another pinch on thing? Was, and I read uh, that somewhere. No, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. There was some really fucking funny, Ten Tivy, and uh, um, uh, there's one guy uh, called Wimp, but it's W I M P E. Yeah, yeah. Wimp. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Yeah. Go on. And so Tyrone, it's at towards the end days of World War II, and he's in England, right? He starts yeah, in he's England. He's an American in England. And. Tyrone likes to fuck. He likes to fuck. And he goes around fucking. Yeah. And his his superiors and other sort of organizations or some fucking thing. Like, well, there's like an offshoot organization. They've called themselves the White Visitation. Right. And they deal with the paranormal. Yeah. By the way, and very important to note, this book absolutely has sci-fi moments. Straight up sci-fi. Like yes. straight from it. And I think you even told me if only it had been marketed as a sci-fi novel, it could have yeah, kind um, of given some some gravitas right, to right. the sci-fi genre. This this thought is not original to me. Look, if you, <clears throat> kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, gang, we're repeating a lot. Right, right, right. If you're going to do Gravity's Rainbow, I would recommend this. I recommended Alex do the same thing, yes. but I thought there's a chance he probably won't. He most likely won't do this. But if you're going to do it, Treat it like a book club. If you can get a buddy in on it and you're, yeah. you're lucky like me to have a buddy like Alex that can do this, go for it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, there On YouTube, there's a dude, this like little Italian guy named The Book Chemist, and he has a series of videos on Gravity's Rainbow. And then there's a great podcast called Pinch On in Public, and they have a whole chunk about Gravity's Rainbow. I haven't listened to all of them. I've only listened to a few. Yeah. But it's, it's fun. It's one of those books that you kind of, 
reading it solitarily, I I can imagine that, but it's it's fun to talk it was, about. It was much more fun being able to check in with you on where I was and go, right, that part, what the fuck? That is crazy. Right. But for example, I just want to mention a few sci-fi moments that come to mind because as Nas mentioned, this thing, every, about every half paragraph, you're bombarded with new imagery that utterly cancels out the last Right, thing. right. And before you get to that, sir. I just, my point in bringing up the book, Chemist, oh, oh, and, I'm sorry. which yeah, goes yeah. into your point, it'll yeah, support yeah. your thing, is yeah. um, there was an article the year that it was published that said, had it won the, what's the big sci-fi where Hugo? Oh, oh the Hugo or the Nebula. Yeah, it, had the, it won yeah. one of those. It was arguing which, I don't remember which one it was talking about. Had yeah, it won one of Hugo. those. Yeah. yeah. Had it won one of those, sci-fi would have gone in a completely different direction in perhaps a more intelligent direction. I as know, man. As that sounds. It's, it's kind of, it's the same idea of if only Hodorowsky's Dune had actually been made before Star Wars, could sci-fi have had more right, of that right. kind of mind trip than just popcorn special right. effects kind of thing. So he, you were he saying says with a Star Wars shirt on. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so within the first like 20 pages, there's a kaiju level Godzilla scale adenoid, which as far as I understand is a giant mucus blop. Right, from your brain or, or from your Or like face. from like your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a giant like gob of mucus had dislodged from an old commander's throat grew to the size of Godzilla and nearly swallowed up London entirely. Go on. Right. Now, question, because that was so, it was way early in the book. Way early. Right? Like okay. First 20 pages. Yeah. That was one of the things that kept me going. Same. Right? Same. I didn't quite, when you told me about it, I knew, okay, I'm like, okay, it's 70s. It's weird. I know it's going to be psychedelic to some degree. And even though I've never read Catch-22, I had a, a vibe that it would be something kind of like, you know, yeah, we're dealing with World War II, but there's going to be a bit of a whoop, whoop, little, little, right. <laughs> little whimsy on top. Zing. Yeah, something, but I, it, or, or even just, you know, just some strangeness. And also, I, I pride myself in usually sticking with things longer than most consumers because I, Lord knows there's movies where I have stuck with it and other people in the first five minutes go, this is weird, and right. out. I go have on. to say, Alex has, not just in terms of, watching shit in terms of reading he's a fucking billy goat like I, he, I, he can go through books pretty quickly i devour the shit out of it now don't get me wrong this book frustrated me too i really enjoyed gravity's rainbow i absolutely recommend it i feel uh brain damaged and brain enhanced having read the whole thing right that said there are many parts that are everything from uh as a review called it achingly dull to straight up offensive. We'll get to the offensive shit later. But oh, yeah. but um but let me just uh, so the adenoid this giant mucus monster. And I remember a quote from that moment. Do you remember how he summed up that part? Basically, he gives an account of how before the war and I love this too because uh one of the sort of and we learned this by listening to Paul Thomas Anderson talk about him, but there's this kind of contention that like who, what's to say that what he reports isn't true? Because right, he right. seems to know things that we don't. So he states in fact in this book that there was a giant mucus monster that tried to swallow up London, but all the best brains got together and they stopped it. But the sentence that I'm quoting here is, but they couldn't stop World War II. Interesting. And 
this for me sets up in the book the per- that's actually the perfect jumping off into the rest of the book which is hey we we took care of this giant mucus monster but the facts as they happen are going to be out of our hands right so the only control i'm going to have in this book is to throw some weirdness your way yeah so also in the white visitation and i think i, I pardon me because i think i'm going to complete a thought that you started earlier and i it. hope you don't take offense to that so explaining to your friend uh, uh, in jail, Lowdown, Lowdown yeah. talking to Lowdown about it, it's like, yeah, Tyrone is fucking, Tyrone Slothrop likes to fuck, but the people at the White Visitation, who, by the way, the people at the White Visitation, they're, they're like English analysts, and they are truly looking into how do we commune with our fallen soldiers who are currently in ghost form, still flying their RAF planes in the sky. Yeah, And sure enough, and I'm serious, in parts of the book, you, you cross over to the ghost world. And there are straight up passages where you're following some pilots who know they're dead. And they're only faintly communicating with a seance, with a medium. Now, these same people on our side of reality, on the living side of reality, have a belief. Because they've noticed wherever, is in the, wherever Tyrone Slothrop is fucking, a rocket lands pretty near there. Yeah. So they believe where something about his erections and his sexual life are guiding these rockets being launched from the enemy towards that general vicinity. Right. But that, and you could say that that's the plot point, but it ain't. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's just kind of, you know, it's like, ugh. And one other sci-fi thing, I, I swear to God, I remember this. I don't remember where it was, but I know for a fact that someone sees something and sees another dimension where there are dwarf warriors riding on the backs of pterodactyls swooping around this mountain. I don't yeah. know if you remember that, but I fucking know <laughs> I read that part. I know I read it, and it happened. I mean, the thing is, one thing that the reason Alex said it was frustrating is the pro style. Yeah. The pro style is insane. It's really unusual. Yeah. Take us through it. I could... I could take you through it or I could just read something of it. Sure. But I got to pull sure. it up. But like... Um, <clears throat> one, one thing that strikes me as very interesting is like Chuck Palahniuk and others, this is all in present tense. Slothrop walks into the bar and he takes a... You know what I mean? It's all present tense. There is no uh, more conventional storytelling where it's all in past tense. So that's yeah, something yeah. that's interesting. And it works better. Because to write about World War II in the past keeps it in the past. If you write about World War II in present tense, then it's always happening. Yeah. I mean, you know me. I'm not the biggest, like, World War II guy. I don't hate that stuff. But it's no. just not, I'm not into war, you know? Like, well, and, and that generation, if you ask me, is a little removed from even us. And we're only the grandchildren right, of World right. War II. But our, the world we were born into is so fucking different yeah. than what an already grown adult who then has World War II thrust upon them yeah, has yeah. experienced. What's weird is this book made World War II feel kind of real, as insane as it is. Like Because it's like yeah. a World War II novel, but you're not in the trenches or anything. You're in the bureaucracy at first. And, and, then- and by the way, is there, <clears throat> is there even an on-page death? I don't think there's one on-page Technically, killing. but it's like totally... But we we're talking spoilers. But that's doesn't right. the kid <clears throat> at well, the end right. that's in, sure, the, sure, sure. The, exactly. in the rocket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's technically something. But right, there's right. no, like, someone getting their head blown off next to someone or someone getting shot. Yeah. In fact, you said it best. It's almost like if Laurel and Hardy had directed this. Or like the people <laughs> right, who right. make Laurel and Hardy had 
had directed this yeah. whole movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there yeah. is this sort of, you can tell Thomas Pinchon watches a lot of movies. You can tell he's yes. kind of a movie nut. Yeah. And the sort of, the way the servicemen act is very slapsticky. And very, you mentioned something yeah. about their speech. Yeah, but, yeah. They, so he makes all of his characters kind of sound like TV characters from the 40s and 50s, especially when the, there was this stutter that every kid makes. Think of your Dennis the Menace or, best of all, uh, like your Timmys and the shows like Lassie, who will go, we were out in the park, we saw some people, and they gave us some food. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that yeah. And, and, There's a lot of A-and to show that there's this kind of overexcited stutter happening. Yeah. And a lot of his characters have that kind of, ah, oh, gee, wow. That G you know, Willikers Very kind of thing. G Willikers in the face of hell. Yeah, <laughs> and the thing is, I, again, like the name Gravity's Rainbow and the name Thomas Pinchon, it may seem like it has this intellectual weight, there's, it's fucking wacky. It's, it's wacky. I wouldn't do. It's it's not like Pride and Prejudice or like War and Peace right. or one of these sort of like this is a novel. No, this is. You said I don't know who you quoted, but you said that this is going through a labyrinth of porn. That was the book Chemist. Okay. Yeah. I can't uh, disagree with that, and not just tasteful porn. The most deprived porn. <laughs> like porn you porn. shouldn't. Porn you shouldn't be watching. Yeah. Porn that's for other people. Porn that's pure filth. Like he, like he kind of, especially the real meaning of pornography, art that has no inherent value to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he, he, he talks about shit and cum and vomit so right, much. Right, right, right. Yeah. And other things too that are yeah. just insane. You Lots. know, I'm going to read Go yeah. the opening, par- it's not Please. even the paragraph, but I think this is like. Well, also it has. One of the best opening lines ever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna, this is the opening of Gravity's Rainbow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm going to read it. And this just gives you a taste of what we read. And there was this was there was 70, 760 pages of this for me. Oof. How many pages for you? It's about 770. Yeah, cool. yeah. Well, same amount of words. So cool. All right. A screaming comes across the sky. It has happened before, but there is nothing to compare it to now. It is too late. The evacu- evacuation still proceeds, but it's all theater. There are no lights inside the cars. No light anywhere. Above him, lift girders, old as an iron queen, and glass somewhere far above the world let the light of day through. But it's night. He's afraid of the way the glass will fall. Soon, it will be a spectacle. The fall of a crystal palace. But coming down in total blackout, without one glint of light, only great invisible crashing. Damn, that makes me almost want to reread the book. It does. <laughs> like I'm like, wait, that's what the thing is. Damn, that's the sentences, the sentence yeah. structures are insane. Yes, and but they are even when they don't make sense to you, they are bejeweled. Like yes. they, they are beautiful little sentences. Yes, it is true though. There's a lot for all the disgusting shit he writes. There's also like I should have brought some quotes I wrote down. He once talked about like uh, out on the bay. There are clouds like like um, like scalped fog or like or like or like or, or like um, or like pearly scallops or something like yeah, that. Right? Like yeah. just like mm, just kind of yeah. I, yeah. It, he um, but you bejeweled is exactly the word for it. Like there's nothing lazily. Even when it gets achingly dull, it's not lazy. He's never lazy. He's he's just focused. <laughs> right. And and the thing is, the thing that I dug about it was. One of the things that it says in the book, and this is not verbatim or anything, but you're right, we should have did quotes, but <laughs> I should have done too. too. But uh, where they say the war is not about winning or losing, it's the business of 
buying and selling things. Right. And the thing that I found fascinating about the book, now mind you, okay, I'm going to take you back a little bit Please. to when you used to work at VBC. Uh -huh. Remember? Oh, yeah. That's when Way I started reading this fog. motherfucker. Yes. Back then. And uh -huh. it, and I remember you had a coworker, lovely human named TRT. Yeah, T, yeah, T, yeah. And uh, I remember this was right before Trump got elected. Protests were happening, like oh, BLM yeah. and stuff, all this stuff. Oh, things, yeah. things were popping off and stuff. And I remember T told me, um, yeah, I used to want to live during like tumultuous times like the 60s and stuff. Uh, but now that I'm here, I don't like it. Like, And the reason I bring yeah. that up is when I started to read it, that's when the Trump stuff started and this and that. And for some reason right now, his vision of the world makes perfect sense to me. Hmm. Things coming at you from every fucking direction. Yeah. Which way is up? Mm -hmm. Conspiracies upon conspiracies. And they're not true. They are true, whatever. And you don't even give a fuck because you're just trying to get through your day. Right. You're just trying to slothrop it through. Yeah. And uh, that's how and, I feel. Yeah. And and also, it's, it's slothrop is a character who you kind of sympathize with, judge a little, uh, but you can relate to him a lot. And he doesn't really get what his purpose is beyond the war. Because again, this whole thing is like, this, this whole thing kind of takes place in the last months of and yeah. right after World War II, like after the surrender. And as you said, it's about the business of, oh, well now we have all these like scattered rocket parts all over Europe. Maybe we can salvage that and then put them on the black market and we can all and then and sure enough there's like scenes with like big like classy uh emporiums where they have like all these like like it's almost like salesmen who are going with their wares and like would you like a i have a battery from the a4 rocket i have right. a i have a shell from the last one here and they're all yeah it, it's it's kind of like yeah it's a massive pageant of just zaniness yeah. Just, just, and everyone is fucking bad. And by the way, I think every character is severely PTSD'd out. They're all insane. Everyone's insane. <laughs> but, and, and, and what I like though is you, you can get why because it's, it's the crazy fucking time. Yeah. 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 If you lived during that time, how could you not believe every day wasn't possibly the last day on earth? Yeah. And the more you keep surviving this insanity, that you're going to get a little nutty. Yeah, yeah. There was a part. I'll say it. It's so fucking gross, but I'll say it just no. because it's like, dude, this is a book that's bandied about in, in fucking colleges and stuff. Oh, yeah. Brigadier Pudding. Oh, man. A fucking guy eats a woman's shit. Like, uh, it's like, dude, wow. There's this, this, this poor character, Brigadier Pudding. He's, the, he's, he's a very minor character, but he is ever so memorable. And he's an old man. And what I thought was so fucking funny and tragic about him is that it establishes that he, his government, the British government, has put him in every fucking military operation of theirs. So we're not just talking World War One and World War Two. We're talking about every going to Africa here, going to Asia there, taking care of this. He's been in every fight, and, and they're never going to let him retire. Yeah, never. So he's an old brigadier, and he has this. He he's basically the sub to this dom nurse. And their routine is for her to shit in his mouth. Yeah. And you get the full description and you feel like you're swallowing that big right. log with him. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh at that. Oh, point. dude, I was I'm laughing like, out loud. Yeah. I was like, ah, 
<laughs> and what's funny too is there's another guy on the scene who is always giving him penicillin shots to ward off that possible E. coli. Right. <laughs> which one day may get him. He may get him. And <laughs> yeah. sure enough, yeah. He, he, okay. He's, yeah, yeah. But but like that's an example. But you know what's funny? As disgusting as that is, it left us laughing. Right, right. Then he'll do scenes that are very sexual, but because of the nature of it, it's more revolting than eating shit. Let's get down to it. If I was his publisher, yes. the one thing I would say, I'd be like, Tommy, baby, I respect you. Yeah. Take out the fucking 14-year-old. Oh, we wish Oh, we wish she was 14. You wish Wait, she was how old was she? 12. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'd slap him then. And I'd say, Tommy, yeah. baby. Tommy, I don't baby. love you. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, look, so there's this I respect him as an artist. There's this, go for it. There's this character. Okay, so later on. By the way, okay, let's let's go through sections here real quickly. There, It is divided into four chapters. <laughs> now, look at this. This is a brick of a book. Yeah. And there are four chapters. Yeah. Not so much chapters as sections. And each of those sections, of course, do have divisions. It's not just all one big, massive brick. You if you may describe things. the divisions. So it's, uh, well, like those little sprockets. Yeah, there's like these yeah. little sprockets. Depending holes. on what edition you get, there's often these little boxes that actually are great because they those little squares are like what the analysts use in the control room, you know, to like, yeah, have, yeah. like where the where the rockets have been uh, following. But, um, there, the first first section is basically about daily life in London, waiting for the big rocket to come and living in that fear of a bombed out mm-hmm. city. The second part is actually when the English team goes out to France and the seaside parts of, uh, like the coastal side of France, and they just do a lot of fucking and partying with the French girls because it's like just liberated France, yeah. like just freshly, like it's the it's then like a casino or something. yeah, and it was called the casino. Uh, de Hermann Goering oh. and it was funny because that's the name of one of Hitler's top ranking dudes and oh. so it was this like yeah do you know about Goering just real quick thing I've heard the name he was the Julius Caesar one of the group he literally had a tiger on a chain and he wore togas <laughs> he was that dude he was the <laughs> one who wanted to take it real real old school right, right, right. Um, and he was definitely I think up he was one of the next in command like if Goebbels goes then it's her and then it's Goering it's like anyway so the third part and I know is arguably your favorite part is the zone yeah now the zone is just a term that Pinchon gave I think kind of like pan Europe war torn especially the German part because for some reason we're in Germany mostly for that long third part the zone which is it is the most psychedelic but I found it to be the most frustrating and also trying on us and sure enough he finds himself on a boat basically with a big group of actually before we get to that let's get to the cool part because the the way he even unfortunately meets this young girl is because he meets her mother at this film studio like an abandoned film studio an abandoned that was film my favorite studio. part one so of take my us favorite through parts. That part. he goes to this abandoned film studio and then he comes across this actress and then there's this really dark part where it's describing just the actress's history and stuff. And then there's this part... Like, well, because they're doing basically porn... But it's like German high art cinema that's pretty much porn. Right. I don't know why this disturbed me so much, but there's a part where it describes that 
she gets gangbanged in a video. Yeah. In, in not a video. They had no video about it. Right, right, right. But film, in a film. Yes. And by a bunch of dudes. And she had a kid from that gangbang. Yes. And then people watch the film and try to guess who the father yeah, is. Yeah, that, 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 it's both funny and fucked up yeah, right yeah. there. This was before Nintendo Switch, mind you. Right, yeah, this no. was much before. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no Atari here, kids. Right, right. But uh, she, yeah, it's like... And that's, by the way, that level of gallows humor. Like, you know, people are pretty... And it's, in some ways, they're pretty cold and awful to each other in the book, too. Like, there isn't exactly a lot of tight friendship. There's a lot of paranoia and a lot of... Someone else has a bad day, yeah. not me, thank goodness. Kind well, of like, if yeah. you notice, and this was mentioned in the New York Times review that I recommended, mm. there's like really no family life in his world. Oh, interesting. Well, what didn't he kind of... Something I'm wondering about Pinch on himself. I get this idea that he was the next heir to some massive family dynasty, and he walked away from it. And that was the first step of becoming an anonymous, unreadable, uncatchable man. I mean, you you, you could be onto something. I know his yeah. family goes back generations here. So the Pinchons in America are, yeah. are a family. They've been, you know, okay. I, again, I recommend yeah. this article in Vulture that, that really goes in depth with his okay. stuff. Now, here's gotcha. the, yeah, the frustrating please. thing about talking about Gravity's Rainbow for a podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to Right. How much of the yeah. fucking surface have we covered? Barely. Barely. Nothing. But oh, but we should finish this thought though about go that inappropriate it. thing that that happens. Just get it out of the go fucking for it, way. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, may I say this before say you, it, you describe it because I feel dirty just even thinking oh, about God, it. Oh God, yeah, I'll try to make um, it classy. If it didn't have this, I would have loved it way, way more. Yeah. However, I'm not going to judge the book or Thomas Pinch. It's 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 I a also, thing that I think he did it to make us. Get like what the fuck? Like I think he tried to upset us. That and maybe it's a Nabokov thing because I, I heard also, he studied yeah. under Nabokov. I don't know. And I also, don't know. Nabokov had at that point, according to that article, done the most dense, newest novel, something called Ada, Ada, oh, I see, which I apparently see. like, and then Gravity's Rainbow was like, step aside, Ada. Oh, um, I see, I'm I the see. new bro- brick. By the way, handle. by the way, you yeah. you told me about Ulysses and stuff after reading Gravity's <laughs> yeah. Rainbow. I have no fucking intention of reading you. I cannot. No uh, it's not Ulysses that I'm interested in. I'm one day I'm going to do Finnegan's Wake. Oh, okay. Because Finnegan's Wake apparently is like the skeleton key to all mythology in one ah, book. Interesting. But, as, see that, but, but done very Gravity's Rainbow. It's not, and so there's not like kings and queens, but but just like how in Gravity, even though it's in World War II, didn't you? always have this feeling that there were like fairyland and and like kings and queens yeah, and monsters yeah. just on the outside yeah 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 that's finnegan's wake as well okay. i never mentioned the time but we're at 49 minutes oh what let's wrap up gravity's wrap rainbow so we could talk about once okay upon okay time. okay well also and i don't want to end on bianca because that's a sound no, okay okay, end, okay, but okay let's just get through the real quick let's just, end on we will yeah, talk about yeah, our yeah. overall impressions of the themes and whatnot yeah, 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 and what yeah. we felt or whatever you want to talk about okay okay, okay okay go for it he that that poor woman who is being and she likes getting flogged. There's a lot of SM SNM in the book too. And it's fun. Those are all good. All the adult part is great. The thing is she has this nymphette daughter who's twelve, and it's basically the Lolita character. And you can tell he's kind of doing a Nabokov nod. But there are I don't want to describe them. Because it's not, I, I don't want to put you guys off. But there are there is more than one scene of sexual activity with this girl. Yeah. And it's, by the way, the most descriptive throughout the book. Because there's lots of fucking scenes. But this one gets into it. And as you're, and I found the difference between the eating shit scene and this scene is I was still cringing during the eating shit, but I was going, oh, oh, oh my. And a part of me almost went, 
Okay, yeah, get get into it. How, how much filthier can you get? Yeah, I dare yeah, you. Yeah. When we're getting into the... And the problem, the thing that sucks too is the person who enjoys himself upon Bianca is our main guy who, who Nas and I found to be the most sympathetic Slothrop. for a while. Slothrop. Because yeah. he's kind of... Slothrop represents the average dude who doesn't know what the fuck is happening but is just putting his best foot forward at all times. Yeah. And after this moment, you kind of get this... Now, what's funny is he... After this moment, by the way, he cracks fully. So this is almost like... It, I don't know that. I think all that shit was to, to shock us. And also, and I will say this, I bet there was a lot of that going on a lot throughout back time. Then, yeah. And especially back then and, and as recent as World War II. I mean, when that stuff is in something like that, it bums me out because then it's like, oh man, now I can't be for kids. Like now it's not innocent anymore. I, and I know? know what you mean. And it's it's also, it just, it it's like I it, the older you get, you also know what kind of cost that would have on that character. Like it's not that's not going to be good for Bianca when right, she grows right, older. She's going right. to be a fucked up human being yeah, because yeah. of you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so that part, and I don't want to again. I don't want to make a huge thing about it, but like that that is something fair to put out there. And it's like yeah, you have to get through everything from bodily fluid drying on a wall to uh, or going into someone's mouth to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sexual stuff like that. Yeah. But okay, but besides that, there are actually some very sexy scenes between consenting adults. There are there's lots of interesting weird shit. There there are there's oh man when he there's a part where Slothrop is told to smuggle hash on the other side of the wall in Germany. Yeah. And he puts on like a helmet and a cape and everyone calls him Rocket Man. Yeah, almost and like I'm, a superhero. Yeah, like he's a superhero and and now that I were wondering, oh, because that that book came out around the time of the Elton John song, so it's like, oh, is he doing a little? Yeah, you know? yeah. But I will say this much: what I want to do as, as my sort of wrapping up on my end right Go here with with Gravity's Rainbow, and, and Nas is right. We barely scratched the surface, and that's kind of the nature of Gravity's Rainbow. You can't. How can you? The book is almost made as like a swirling circle. There are no right angles. There's nothing you can. There's nothing you can frame in this. Uh, book yeah but i will say you in a good way well actually i don't know if it's good i'm gonna say in an authentic way i felt like i was going a bit crazy yeah reading the book and the book and and some books when you go through people's insanity you just take the author at their word and go i believe you i guess he went crazy no with this you feel like you're going nuts with slothrop and by the time he kind of just goes off the map, <laughs> you feel like you've kind of gone off the map. Yeah, yeah. When my book itself was starting to physically fall apart and pages were falling out of the binding, my mind was falling <laughs> out of the binding of my head. Because as Nas mentioned, it's very, very challenging prose. Yeah. Now I will say this much. The last 100 pages made up for any frustration that I had really? before. I love those, la and I read them all. You and I both like took those last hundred pages and made us one sitting out of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, And I did it from midnight to 4 a.m. I did, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I burned the midnight oil, but it was cool. And I was taking obviously little pipe hits between every sprocket moment, you know? Yeah. And what I, in those last hundred pages, which in a weird way almost serves as an appendix to the whole thing, while also still, giving us some plot stuff. In fact, if you want actual plot stuff, it's really only in those book ends. It's in like the first hundred pages right, and the right, last right. hundred pages. If you want real like, then this happens and that happens. And the rest is good luck. But I, there's a little moment and he, and oh, oh, we forgot to mention, there are songs all over. He loves his songs. Yeah. 
and he'll even tell you like what style they're in. But you, you got to hope you know what a foxtrot is or a mazurka or a, any of these yeah, little yeah. like things. But he has lots of these songs and these moments, and then he'll have these silly, goofy dialogues randomly between people. And so he does this silly thing where I, I wrote Nas one point. I was like, I think he just predicted the internet in this book. Yeah. And in those last hundred pages, there's a joke where Slothrop is kind of like in his mind talking to his dad and they're having kind of that odd G Willikers conversation. And he says, and the dad's like, oh, what are you kids doing? And the joke is you're on a new drug now, which is called like, like neuron drug, like plugging your head into an outlet and like right. giving yourself electroshock therapy basically. But he's saying, oh no, no, we're, we're getting cooler with electro. Now we're going to be able to up, like basically he didn't use the word upload, but he's describing basically moving your consciousness into the cloud and being able to be by yourself, but with everyone all at once. And that's the internet. Yeah. And that's crazy how not only a book about World War II, they're starting to talk about that, but even in the 70s, the internet was inconceivable. So that's a really cool thing. And and then I don't even, I even though we kind of mentioned that there is a rocket thing at the end and we mentioned that there, I, I don't, I'm not going to describe it. I'm just going to say you got to get to the ending because it really does give you sort of this amazing release feeling. Yeah. And also like proper apocalypse. Like there's an end coming. Yeah. And we don't know what, because it's sort of the joke I have is it's, you know that term Chekhov's gun? But when you see a gun in the first act, you got to discharge it by the third. Exactly. Yeah. If, you, if you see that weapon, <clears throat> it needs to be used at some point. Well, there's Chekhov's rocket. So don't, sure. it's not just right. a bunch of descriptions. There will be some rocket action. Yeah. And, that's what comes to mind. I know for a fact there's a billion. I, I can I, right now. I almost want to talk about some chicharin parts, but we've talked so much yeah, about it already. Yeah, yeah. I would just say, I mean, but like, we are though in a in a. In, this is an interesting thing that we are among a few group of a group of very few people. It seems who have legitly finished and read every word of this book. That's because we're great, Alex. Well, I mean, yeah. there's no denying That's that. That's why. I want to know what... No, okay, no, well, my thing is, okay, there's so much to say about it, but the theme of, of, of fucking and, and death, which seem to go hand in hand in this yeah. book, one of the things that I... I don't even know if this is a substancy thought, but one thing that I did appreciate, and I feel comfortable just ending it on this note, um, is... I like the fact that Slothrop just seems to drop out at the end. Like all of it just yeah. kind of, and he's like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. And, and truly like dematerializes from the pages themselves. Right. Where he even like, he essentially, I just remembered. And there's a beautiful rainbow image with it. Yeah. Can we end on this image? Go for it. The last time we physically see Slothrop He's living naked in the wilderness every day. Yeah, yeah. And he sees what's described as a cloud that looks like pubic hair and a, and then the phallus, which is a rainbow. This is an actual rainbow yeah, yeah. shows up in gravity's rainbow. Yeah. And it's coming from the pubic hair of a cloud and this big, it's like this dick rainbow coming yeah. out of the ground. And Slothrop just cries in the beauty of that. The way you do when you're like peeking on mushrooms in nature. He's, yeah, he, yeah. he's just like, oh. <gasps> And that's the last physical time we see him. Yeah. After that, it's only rumors. Yeah. And people are like, we don't know what. Even even Pinchon is like, I don't know where he is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. somewhere out there. Yeah. And that, by the way, is Satori. That's kind of the ultimate goal of the Zen 
dropout yeah. in this world. Is yeah. you you learn society to a point and then you disappear in nature. Yeah. Um. Oh, fuck it, man. We're at fifty nine minutes. Who cares? Let's make it a long episode. Yeah. Okay. Or do you want it? Or do you want it? I'm fucking hot and dead. <laughs> like I'm dying. Uh, we are. At, yeah. We are in a super heated like, room here, oh, folks. God damn it. No. So okay. No, but no, no, no. But out of respect for Sensei Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Once Here, Upon a Time in Hollywood. Put the fan on you. Put the fan oh. on you for a second. Yeah, I'm going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, we're, on the, we're on the top floor in the height of L.A. summer. Yeah. Say no more. And we, yeah, it's fucking hot as balls. Okay, I listen. Know. So I just finished on Sunday, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the, the novelization. Yes. And uh, I truly loved it. I, mm -hmm. I, there's mm -hmm. not much I can Same. say because I'm a, I'm super respectful about Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. I love the, I love his work and I love the fact that he's been so open about his knowledge throughout his career oh, and stuff like so that. Good. But yeah. a few things that I will say, yeah, Cliff Booth is psycho. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's awesome, but he's psycho. Oh yeah. Oh, he's a killer. Um, I, I, I loved the, should we spoil? I mean, so much of it was spoiled for me because I was listening to all of his interviews and well, stuff. Well, let's just give you the, the, you know, hey, folks, we're going to talk about... Now, by, mind you, if you've seen the movie already, you'll already have a bit... But, by the way, the book is not the movie. Big, right. big thing you should know. It's not like, why would I read, like, some transcript of the movie? It ain't a transcript yeah, yeah, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost as if this was his first script idea. It's like if you love Tarantino, which most artists of our generation and people love Tarantino and you love... And if you don't, it's okay. We yeah, yeah, you if you don't, um, go fuck yourself. Yeah, if you don't, weird. I get it. You wish you could make movies. I right, get it. You right, wish right. you were capable of making Yeah, exactly. Things. By the way, I, I honestly think that when people go, oh, I hate Quentin. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have an issue with really good entertainment that's right, done right. very well? Maybe you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aww. Hey, man. Truer words haven't been spoken. Yes. I would have said it, but you said it for me. Well, so, hey, you, you know, and I sound like a dickhead, but I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, no, no. If you, if you love his stuff and you love hearing him talk about stuff, but also you love that world of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I highly recommend it. Yeah. One yeah, of the yeah, things really. that I appreciated about the film and I appreciate about the book is that it's not like the fucking Manson show or something. I'm so not no, interested in that stuff. It's, uh, you can tell even for Quentin, it's like his. Th it's like the fifth most interesting thing of that whole story right. is the Manson shit. In fact, when, when I first heard about this movie, coming from not enjoying Hateful Eight, finding it to be too much in celebration of sadism, I honestly thought he was going to make us have to watch the, the, the Tate murders. Right. And I remember going up to you being like, I do not, because I was a little miffed with Quentin because I kind of pictured him just laughing at me the whole time I'm watching Hateful Eight. Yeah. And I was happy for that same reason. I know, and I know you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one day I'll appreciate that Hateful Eight is a remorseless, loveless movie. Right, right. One day I'll finally appreciate that. But at the time when I heard about uh, the movie of Once Upon a Hollywood, I was just like, I, I came to I was like, is he going to make us fucking watch a pregnant woman get stabbed? He better fucking not. And, and you said... Alex, I think he's going to give us a very good, feel-good hangout movie. And at the time, I remember being like, mm, that's a bit wishful thinking. Yeah. Sure enough, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> and that's what, what I was This is one of for, his yeah. most positive movies. In fact, I think it's maybe the happiest ending. I think it's his sweetest film for sure. And that's totally. why I love it. I mean, yeah, you man. know, I'm a fan of his. I like I like it when filmmakers get sweet. I don't mind uh, sentimentality and well, stuff. Well, especially if it's sincere. Too. Right, right. This is so sincere. You can just feel like, yes, I, this is... 
this is the world that paved the way for me, is what yeah, Quentin's yeah. saying. Yeah. That, this, this world gave him his place. Yeah, and there are many touching passages in the book. That Aldo, Aldo Ray chapter is really great. Yeah. Anything involving man. Cliff is fucking fascinating. I will, I, I'd say anytime Cliff showed up in the book, I'd get giddy. I was like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. what are we going to do with Cliff now? Because you get a lot more action with Cliff. Funny enough, yeah. there's only one scene that was cut from the movie. Well, not cut. You can't compare the two, but I was surprised that there wasn't the scene included in the book where he beats up the hippie who slashes his tire. Clem. Oh, right. That was completely... That and wasn't even in the book. It should be said, I mean... Look, read the fucking book. It's great if you read like the book. The movie. Yeah, it's yeah. also... And it's a page turner. Um, you, you can kill it in four days. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I I'm did. like revealing anything crazy, but that whole sequence is done through Squeaky's uh, point of view. Very interesting. There's a I lot mean, of scenes where... You remember it from the movie, but now you're going to see it through a different character's eyes who was in that scene, but you didn't see it through their eyes in the movie. Yeah. I feel great. The, Wild he, Seven this is... This man feels what, sweaty. <laughs> I feel sweaty. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to die. I want to say something. Uh, let's, let's end on the most positive saccharine note we can. Yes. Um, there's a reason we gravitate towards simple, certain works of art. And I think the reason why I've responded throughout my life to Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson sometimes, uh, is because of the fact that they make their films with love. Yeah. A lot of love. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they might have some crazy parts in their films, but there's a lot of love. And I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a great thing just because there's a lot of love in it. And so much, yeah. Gravity's Rainbow, there's a lot of love. For what? I don't know. Come and, and, and pussy and, and pussy and shit stains and, and, and uh, vomit, vomit and rockets uh, and, and and the rockets. dandruff and pus. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know. So my point is, let's keep it about love and come and pussy and rockets and pubic hair and and vomit and shit. Anyway, that's all. Gang, I'm gonna fucking die. He's I'm, about gonna, to pass I'm, out. I'm gonna pass you need out. Me to close out. I need for you, water. Buddy? I have yeah. Could you? I mean, I have eggs in the refrigerator. No. I'm gonna have them. No, 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 sir, sir. The range uh, of yours. Okay, all right. So let's give our little pluggy pluggities. Okay, oh, first yes. of all, if you enjoy the sound of this man's voice, and by this man I mean the amazing interdimensional Alex Rogers, tune in, download to in the words of Alex Rogers. Yes. Alex, is there anything you'd like to say? Yeah, just you you said it for me. Do please through our network at Wild 7 check out my podcast. Uh, they come out every Sunday after 6 if I'm on top of my shit, yes. which I normally am. And uh, you can follow me at Interdimensional Alex. Yes, and you may be wondering where the fuck is Ashley? Where is Simpin? Where is Simpin after dark? Well, she is returning pretty soon. She is on hiatus. She's a hardworking girl, Thank and you. the girls are doing something really awesome with the uh, telenovela. Did we mention that earlier? Mentioned it earlier, but you and I are in it, so we might as well mention this. <laughs> Whoa. That was way too loud. That was actually, sorry. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that was one of our drops. So listen, I'm just trying to make sure all of our sounds are in freaking order before we 
sign off and whatnot. Yes, of course. But um, yeah, but yeah gang. But keep your eyes open for Amigas because Nas and I are in it and we're going to be speaking Spanish to whatever hilarious or successful or not yes. degree. Hopefully I don't butcher that amazing, beautiful language. <laughs> and listen, uh, gang, we are doing great stuff with Debbie and the Devil. Debbie and the Devil is finished. It is a feature-length horror film that we made. We are submitting it to festivals, blah, 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 blah. We have big announcements coming soon. Also, Killer Comanche is on sale for sale, not on sale. No, yeah, not yet. Not, not yet. yet, but it's for sale through our website. You can get it. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are dropping little clips of the podcast and stuff. So lots of great, fucking fascinating, awesome, fun things are happening here at Wild 7 as they always are. So... We talked about Gravity's Rainbow, a book that we wanted to show off that we read so we can get some intellectual pussy. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> right. Uh, no, you don't read to get some kind of reward. That's like not that. how it works. No. Unless you're going to the last bookstore and you go by that selfie area where all the, you know, hipster it's, girls I'm gonna go. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go up to the girls and go, you know, I've done Gravity's Rainbow. <laughs> right. Watch me come out with each a girl on each arm. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll come out with Ulysses and I'll be like, I'm doing this, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Ulysses. Yeah, what a what a time, man. Are you hot as me? Of course I am. Yeah. I've been hot it's, since the beginning it's of the summer. Shit. It's summer. It's fucking it's what is all this? My Instagram just had a bunch of notifications. Well look at you. See? Oh, yeah. Hey. Important. hey. What a great time, eh? Always. And uh, I'm just waiting for that end. Man, I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. You, you gotta get that tagline yeah. out, buddy. And uh motherfucker, just go. And shoot a movie, not a person. Don't get me wrong, this was fun. <laughs>